0: beautiful people and welcome to the mojo mecca podcast a hub for the exploration of ritual poetry plants and purpose we are here for the deepening of our relationship to the earth for the love of living in a sustainable way for the creation of a global network of minxes seeking more mojo for vulnerability for thriving and for joy Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. Now let's dive into today's conversation. In this conversation, I'm speaking with a woman who inspires me a lot and who I've had the pleasure of connecting with over the last few months, Caitlin Howitt. For me, she feels like a real master creatress. Right now, she's channeling this through three main projects or entities, as we refer to them through the podcast. The first is Living in Love, a project she holds with her partner Tully that is dedicated to igniting people's passions for conscious relationships in the modern world and also guiding people through ways that they can level up in their partnerships. So we speak about conscious relationships, monogamy, and also she shares her insight into polyamory or open relationships, which is really interesting for sure. Um, We then speak about Bloom, her online program and community for young women that supports their rite of passage from a girl to a woman, which is really amazing work that I am in just full support and resonance with. We also dive into her new program, The Creatress, which was birthed from her inspiration to assist women in creating a life that is really prosperous, creative and free and removing the struggle stories so that we can really live and embody that. Along with all of this goodness, we chat about self sabotage and how it can show up to block us when our lives are expanding and thriving, and how to really move through that. The power of social media, her daily rituals, and the medicine of cacao, of course, and so much more. Enjoy.
1: Okay, so I'm Caitlin, and I was born up in the Kimberley of Western Australia. And I was the first Western baby to be ever born in that community. Um, It was an Indigenous community up there and my parents were teaching at the school. And then after a few years of living up there, we moved down south and I grew up mostly in the southwest of Western Australia. And probably my favourite thing about my childhood was that my parents just really encouraged like alternative education so even though they were both teachers at primary school um they really encourage like thinking outside the box and going to courses and going to events and and learning from like life like a lot so they would take us traveling and when I was about seven they just like often packed us all up and moved us to a tropical island called the Cocos Killing Islands which is like right up in the middle of the Indian Ocean and they just like moved us there for five years and we had like a great childhood of running around on sandy beaches and climbing coconut trees and all of that and then they packed us up and moved us back to a farm and they packed us up again and moved us back to the islands and so like our life was really um abundant with travel um they even took all of us so I'm one of seven kids as well so I'm the eldest and they took us all to the states in America, and they bought a thirty-one foot motorhome, and they just put us all in there and traveled around the states for about six months as well and homeschooled us. So, my upbringing has been very traditional and then very untraditional at the exact same time. Uh, my dad was very um, explorative with business; like he liked to really try lots of different ways to bring in a secondary income for the family because obviously being teachers and my mum being on maternity leave for like. I don't know, 10 years, however long it takes to have seven children. Um, Obviously, being on one income, he was always looking for ways to bring in extra income. So I was able to watch him be very creative in the pursuits of uh, making money to support the people he loved. And so I think that that kind of like lodged in the back of my mind from a really young age that it's okay to explore other options and you don't just have to stick with one job for your entire life. And then my mom on the other side was very um, intuitive and like would always go to like meditation classes and things like that. So being very young, I would go to courses and learn about the more energetic and metaphysical side of our lives. And then I think when I was like 15, no 14, I decided, okay, I wanted to pay for my own course. Like I didn't want to just like go with mom to everything. I wanted to go on and do my own thing. So I remember I saw this like weekend course and this was probably one of the first like real pivotal moments for me was when I saw this weekend course on like theater healing and pranic healing and like going into past lives and all that sort of stuff. And when I was 14, I'm like, I want to go to that. And so I went to my dad and I'm like, I need to figure out how to save some money. Dad, can you give me a job? <laughs> and he's like, you can go and pick in the orchard and I'll pay you $3 for every bucket of um, mandarins you pick. So I spent like hours just picking mandarins so that I could save up $500 worth in $2 coins to then go to this weekend course and learn about energy and all that. And I did it and it was like the most incredible weekend ever. And I think I was the youngest in the room by at least 15 years. Um, But it was really incredible for me to actually then experience and know, oh, there's so much more to this life than just what we can physically see and I guess I kind of knew that it was more of like the remembering that I, I think lots of people experience um and yeah then kind of just continued on the road of personal development and was just really really passionate about self-exploration and exploration of the psyche exploration of emotionality exploration of consciousness like all of that I just got really curious and thank god I, I was just raised in a way that uh following your curiosities was really nourished so from there after like during high school I was pretty clear straight up that I was like man I don't think I want to go get a regular job and stay in it for the next 60 years and then retire and then travel around Australia and the caravan once I'm retired like I kind of want to <laughs> right now kind of want to do it while I'm 18 that would be really fun so when I was 17 I figured out a way to create residual income so that I was able to be paid without actually having to go to a job and work and I was able to just figure out how to do it in a really flexible way for myself so that when I was 18 I was able to actually buy a motorhome and I traveled around Australia and that was really um really pivotal I think as well for me because it showed me the evidence that if I committed to my alignment that it would work out and so my new story about my life and about myself was is that as long as I'm in alignment then everything will 100% work out um so that was really good because it created like a real solid basis for my life where I just started seeking my alignment and the second I wasn't sitting in that space of truth for myself, like I know straight away, like in a heartbeat, it would be really, really obvious. Um, so I traveled around Australia and then after that went through a pretty hectic breakup, which at 18, you know, your entire life is over. Nothing will ever be the same. And so I packed everything up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and move to Bali. And then I think you were in Bali at the exact same time I moved to Bali. Not that we ever okay. met, but... Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, what year so was that?
1: 2015, it mm-hmm. was. That's right, so yeah. And even just, like, just before we jumped on here, I was just stalking our mutual friends to see how many we had. We had 44, if you were wondering. Um, <laughs> that's a good number. <laughs> um, now I want to go Google the angel number for 44. Yeah,
0: we should.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then, like, being in Bali was extremely powerful as well because i think that was the first time i'd actually up and left the country on my own like as an adult i'd I'd done it a couple times as a teenager but like as an adult And actually leading, like creating a life and going out and meeting people. And and I ended up obviously in Ubud in Bali. It's quite a like spiritual center. So you have conversations that you wouldn't have in the like regular world um, where you're talking about things like astrology and numerology and energetics and Reiki and yoga and like all of that, which now for me is really normal. But at the time at 18, my mind was like blown. I was like, oh my God, there's other people that exist like me. This is a thing. Like, I've gone my entire, like, upbringing thinking that it was just, like, me and one other person in the world that thought this way. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. it was really refreshing. (laughs) Um, And just, yeah, very pivotal. I discovered my passion for aesthetic dance, which was phenomenal, because before then, I was like, I don't dance. And then I realized how much of a creative expression dance was, and and free dance more so. Like, I, I still probably wouldn't choreograph something myself, but... I think it's more of a um, just, like, free expression of movement. It's kind of like a meditation. It uh, helps process and remove and expand emotion, like, all of that. So found my passion for dance as my form of exercise and well-being. Um, and then once I moved back to Australia, it was kind of just I got into a bit of a slump, which I think a lot of people do after you go traveling. You kind of get the travel blues so I was down for a long while or I just kind of just like lost my magic and I forgot that I was able to create my life and that I was the one who was dictating everything and I was the magnet and however my emotional being was and my mindset and my stories and all of that however that was in any given time was creating my reality and I totally forgot all that um even though I'd been practicing it since I was like 11 so it was kind of confronting to have a year and a half of just, like, it, like ickiness of not being able to make any money, not being able to channel through my ideas properly, um, not meeting people that really, like, vibed with me. Um, and so I kind of just, like, kept to myself quite a lot and that sort of thing. Um, and then eventually <laughs> I met Tully, which was awesome because I had met him when I was 16, but I re-met Tully and we like just hit it off and got together and he introduced me to the world of tantra because he'd been kind of studying and facilitating within the realms of tantra for a couple of years by this point point. and so at like i think i would have been 19 um really just delving into tantra and sexuality and the masculine and the feminine and like learning about all of that which was really, really powerful, um, going to week-long retreats and just courses and learning and learning. And that, I guess, was also, like, a really pivotal moment. It was probably, sorry, the, probably the first time in my life where I'd actually dug really deep into my emotional body probably for the first time. I'd done a lot of the work on the consciousness and the mindset and the stories and, like, all of that. But it was the first time I'd dug deeper into my heart space, into my emotional body and realized, like, how close i had been or how um yeah just like how much i was missing out on by not actually delving into those parts of myself the shadow phases the light like all of it. so explored that for probably a year and a half and really enjoyed it and then i think i just personally for myself felt like i was like pulling myself back into my own my own cycles and not like i felt like the idea of processing that sort of stuff is so that you can then um experience more or move more towards where you're wanting to go. Whereas I felt like I was just kind of in loops of like processing and dealing with things and then cycling back around and processing with the exact same thing and kind of staying a bit stuck. I feel like that's such a trap with the whole like
0: spiritual community. And I was actually having a conversation this morning actually it's so funny that of course you're talking about it now too about <laughs> that that kind of like looping that can happen like in in sort of yeah like spiritual groups or ceremonies or something where where it's like there's only so much that you can like so much time that you can loop in those processes before you actually just let that shit go and actually like feel it and like clear it and then you know get on with your life so I feel like that's yeah it's a very important point and something that I definitely need to hear too because it's very easy to just get caught in those loops and um Yeah, and not actually move forward out out of it. Um,
1: Yeah. For sure. Like, and I think, I, I guess, like, I was, I almost felt a little bit cynical about it. Like, I really loved it and I delved in and it was, like, my life for so long. And then when I popped out the other side, I was, like, wow, like, isn't the whole point of processing your emotion is so that it's processed so you don't have to keep visiting it over and over and over again, like, for the next three years? You know, like, what, at what point do we draw that line in the sand and actually step over it? So I kind of then rebounded out of Tantra. Um, and I still, like, use a lot of the practices and um, practice a, a lot of the ways of being through Tantra because I think that there's a lot of the teachings that are really, really powerful. Um, but I think I realised for myself on a, on a personal note that I, I really also enjoyed being human as much as I did being everything else and I really wanted to find my balance again regarding my humanness and then my consciousness and my evolution and like my spirituality and my practices and all of that and really just like find this beautiful dance between the two rather than like um being really deep in one and then not in the other type of thing since then it's probably been about uh, maybe a year and a half since then and, and since then I've really just like Explored conscious business and conscious creation uh, are my main two focuses. Uh, My fiance and I have done, and and we still do like a lot of like couples work, and we really love working a lot with relationship, Um, bringing in like a lot of humanness and keeping it really real and like um, easily integrated into like today's world, but then also bringing in a lot of the spiritual. spiritual what's the word i'm looking for i think just more like the spiritual practices and like bringing in that energetic and metaphysical side of things as well to relationship Mm
0: -hmm. we've
1: done that and um really loved relationship stuff we we work a lot with like um i work a lot with young women like probably around like 15 to 22 year olds roughly in like their journey um and then more recently working a lot with conscious creation again and conscious money and conscious business and how we can kind of like create in, in this new world in a way that feels really good rather than how, how we've been taught from a child that you needed to hustle and it needs to feel hard in order to deserve the reward at the end type of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's so much that I want to talk to you about, like so many different um, Aspects of the work that you're doing. I'd love to start a little bit more with um, the relationship elements. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd just love to hear how you view relationships and what you feel like some of the most important, I guess, like foundations of relationships are. And maybe some of the ways that you and Tully like continue to cultivate a nurturing, powerful, um, yeah connection over the years mm-hmm. that you guys have been together and and maybe some of the the practices and tips that you like facilitate and help other people like integrate in their relationships. and also, I guess like what what you see through your work as being some of the most like like destructive um, I guess like patterns in relationships, especially people who've been together for a while after the honeymoon phase goes <laughs> off a bit. Yeah. i remember us talking a bit about this yeah i'd love to
1: hear you speak a bit about about that yeah for sure well i guess like on like tal and i are really passionate about bringing like sacred relationship back into this generation i feel like relationship can be very disposable it's a very fast food culture um and even to be to be honest like in In the spiritual communities as well where like there's lots of fear of commitment and things and there's lots of talk about hearts being open and hearts being closed and Mm -hmm. fear and like all this sort of stuff it's kind of like the exact same thing just being wrapped up in uh, a different language so we're really committed to bringing sacred relationship back into this generation and kind of to like ignite the desire again for deep, committed, expansive, conscious relationships in like today's world, in a way that's really easily integrated as well. Like I find that there's a lot of really amazing teachings out there, but it's really hard to actually navigate those teachings in your regular everyday life. So we like to keep it just really real and bring it back to love over and over again, and bring more um, like conscious sub like subjects and um, practices into like a really easy way to navigate so kind of demystifying things a little bit as well um and i think like struggle wise what we see like to be honest like my favorite type of couple to work with is a couple who are doing pretty good like they're pretty content with life there's a couple of little kinks here and there but otherwise like what they're really wanting to do is just really expand into love and really like see how deep their connection can go and like explore how how much they like actually love each other and to discover new things about each other and that sort of thing. Um, But regarding couples who are struggling, like the biggest probably there's a couple of different things we see. I think one of them is keeping um, your partner stuck in like an old identity, which then prevents you both from moving into what you actually want. we see that like a lot, a lot. And it's hard because like, obviously if there's stuff that's happened in the past or you've actually had past relationships that remind you a little bit of where you're at now, or there's situations that kind of seem similar, it can be so easy to like um, hold on to this like old identity of this is who I am and this is who you are. And, and by holding on to that identity actually prevents them moving forward. And like, I haven't met a couple yet who doesn't want to feel really amazing, connected, have a beautiful sex life, to feel um, appreciated and loved and respected, and like that they can give that and their partner's going to receive it in return. Like, I haven't met a couple who don't want to go there. Yeah. But yeah. It, like, it does take work. Like, every relationship takes work, it doesn't have to be hard work that's different and I think some people do think it needs to be hard work in order for them to deserve how good it can be um, I don't think it needs to be hard work but I do believe that it's like we don't get taught how to be in healthy relationships at school it's just not part of the curriculum and <laughs> where do we learn that stuff we go and we learn it straight from our parents number one we learn it from our friends parents maybe our grandparents or movies and things like that now like if i were to ask you point to me a whole bunch of really beautiful healthy vibrant relationships that you know for a fact behind the scenes and up front are actually healthy and vibrant and people are feeling amazing in that relationship like how many healthy role models could we actually point to and then Maybe there's one or two that you know of, but most people don't know of any because we just haven't seen it because our parents weren't taught and their parents weren't taught. So everyone's kind of like finding their significant other and being like, Hey, let's give this a shot. Let's kind of wing it and see how we can figure it out. Um, which is why they can feel so turbulent because it's just two people with completely different belief systems and history and um, different mindsets and patterning and blueprints and all of that coming together and then trying to figure it out as like, A couple so of course it's um can be a bit (laughs) turbulent um but in saying that I think that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people because there's nowhere really in school to learn so that you have to learn from somewhere and just like we go to university to learn how to be an architect or we go and learn how to be a PT or we learn about health and nutrition or like we learn about business like where is the part where we get to go and learn about our relationship and I think a lot of like um, couples retreats or couples workshops or go to a couples course, like it's associated with counseling as if there's something wrong. When -hmm. really it's like, we should really go and learn about this stuff just because it's for our own well-being. Like it's not um, necessarily to fix anything, but it can just be more of a preventative measure for down the track and to just be able to enjoy it more now while it's here. So yeah, I guess, keeping people stuck in identities is a really big thing with conscious, uh, with relationship. Um, and then like what stories we're telling ourselves about relationship, like what stories are we telling ourselves about love and what we need to do in order to receive love or what we someone else needs to do in order to receive our love and like how to navigate that, especially if you've got two people with different ideas on how that's going to look. Um, and then also I would say, Like communication stuff, but again, it's like it's all still. No matter what the uh, issue is in relationship, it usually comes down to like people's stories around. And by story, I mean what their belief around relationship is, or what their belief around themselves in relationship is, or their partner in relationship. So like stories and state, and state is more so like your physical body. Like how are you feeling? Are your hormones balanced? Because if your hormones aren't balanced, your relationship will be very imbalanced and You'll be trying to uh, deal with conflict that isn't actually there. It's it's your hormone or imbalance more so. Um, so stay in story and story. And if you can like nut out those two and just bounce between the two, like constantly just like checking them out, making sure they're feeling good, um, then relationship will improve significantly. And then just making sure that as it improves, that self-sabotage doesn't become an issue. So we also talk a lot about self-sabotage in relationship and how to kind of navigate that as well. When like your income's growing or like life itself is getting better or your health is improving and then as things get better and better, like that's usually when the, um, when sabotage usually raises its head a bit.
0: Right, so true. And what are some ways that you help people move through those patterns of self-sabotage?
1: So usually self-sabotage, like awareness is enough to an extent. It's like awareness and then choice. So basically how to know that self-sabotage might be popping up. Now self-sabotage can look really subtle or it can look really big. So for example, say if you make a lot of money, self-sabotage can come up and be like, hey, you've never made this amount of money before. You've never experienced this amount of freedom or stress-freeness. Is that a word? Before. Um, so now we're going to go and spend all the money because this is uncomfortable to be here or we're going to like buy things for our friends or like, it can seem really logical as well. It can be like, oh, I've got money. I'm going to go buy my friend this. I'm going to help my friend out with their rent. And then all of a sudden you have no money again. Mm-hmm. So the reason why self shows up is because as we've been growing up, we've been conditioned to like. A set of emotions that are really familiar. So for example, one of those emotions could be disappointment. One of those emotions could just always feeling stressed about money. Uh, it could also be enjoyment. Like there's a whole set of emotions that we've been conditioned to. So say for example that you've been really conditioned to be stressed about money. Every time you have money, what that does is it creates this unease within you because it's so unfamiliar. So it doesn't mean it's not good for you because it it like having money can be very nourishing for the right people. It's more so that it feels unfamiliar because we're not used to it. So then when something's unfamiliar, our brain kind of freaks out a little bit. We're like, well, this feels different. Am I safe? I don't know. And so we can sabotage so that we can stay in this familiar zone. So that's why a lot of people will stay the exact same and attract the exact same relationships and the exact same life situations their entire life because it's so familiar for them. So how to um, like navigate self of sabotage is to understand that each of us have like an average of how good we can feel in the categories of, Love, enjoyment, uh, health and well-being, money, um, community—like every category of life—we have an average. And if you add them all together, like there's the average there. And imagine there's like a glass ceiling sitting on top of the average. Now, every time something starts to get better in your life, for example, maybe you're making more money, or maybe your relationship's going really well, or maybe you all of a sudden feel like you're a part of the incredible community, or whatever whatever it is. That glass ceiling kind of like gets hit. And when that glass ceiling gets hit, it means that we're going somewhere new, somewhere we haven't been before. And if we're going somewhere where we haven't been before, our brain's like, "Hey, this is unfamiliar. I'm kind of scared here." And even though like logically you might be like, "This is a really good decision," it's, it's more going on in like our real like a primal self a little bit more. And so that's when we'd normally self-sabotage. And the thing here is that you may not sabotage in the same area of life. For example, say if you've um your relationship's going really really well and you're like whoa like we're not arguing our sex life is amazing like we're doing better than we ever have before the sabotage could actually pop up in your finances where you stop spending as much time on your work and you start maybe spending more money or um you might like whatever that looks like or even things like you won't um, pay a fine for your car, and then all of a sudden you get a big fine you know like self sabotage can look really um subtle as well, or even you might sabotage your health and this is something that I did so when telling my relationship's going really well, um, I would actually start drinking coffee because for me, coffee would make me anxious, and it would put me in this like more stressed state because my body was used to feeling stressed that was one of my conditioned emotions was to just feel a bit anxious mhm. And so basically like if everything was going really well, I'd just start drinking coffee because my body was looking for that low key anxiety that I was missing. And so once I realized that, I'm like, "Wow, that is the most subtle little self-sabotage ever. I'm so glad I saw that. And so now it's like when things are going really well, I can sit in that discomfort knowing that if I sit in it long enough, my nervous system will expand and then I will adjust to a new level of being. And I'll actually bump up that glass ceiling so that, The average is higher, so I can experience more joy, bliss, love, abundance, well-being, all of that instead of sabotaging every time. So now, for example, I won't drink the coffee because I can see that that's my version of a self-sabotage, and I'll know that okay if things are going really well, I'm just going to have the awareness now to watch what I'm going to be doing with my money, or I'm going to watch what I'm going to be doing in my relationship. Like I don't know whether you can relate, Chloe, but like there have been so many times where things have been going well and I'll pick an argument with Tully and it's like there's no reason to pick the argument like it's something like you didn't make the bed it's so ridiculously small and pointless but what it does is it like rebounds you back into a stress state because that's that's where where the comfort is you know Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say like regarding self-sabotage, it's just awareness first, just figure out. Okay. So I've got an average. Every time I start exceeding that average, I'm probably going to feel a little bit uncomfortable until I readjust. That's okay. Can I sit in this discomfort? Can I allow myself to just like, can I give myself what I'm needing to work through this discomfort? Can I be gentle on myself? And then all of a sudden, like what happens is you just expand and you, you can all of a sudden just hold more love and all of a sudden you can just hold more joy and hold more money and hold more just physical well-being and then you just start experiencing a new a new level of being and then your self-sabotage it'll always do happen no matter like where you're at in life but as you move forward like it it doesn't hit as soon if that kind of makes sense
0: Hmm. yeah wow that's powerful. I love that. And just, yeah, just the awareness too of just being able to catch those triggers, however subtle that they are. Yeah. I was definitely mm-hmm. reflecting on some, some of my own. Yeah. And I've I've never really thought about it in that way of like, yeah, the more amazing things are, the more you will like do those things to, to kind of sabotage and keep you in that state of comfort. Such an important one to like, Bring up, I feel like well, we all do it, obviously. Yeah,
1: I don't know, like if your um, listeners wanted to like delve into that more, they can get the book, um, the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, and that he's like actually like a relationship psychologist, and so he really studied self sabotage within relationship. So like real similar concept, um, more specific to relationship. But I think it's just like over life in general. It's like we sabotage every area of life sometimes. So it's just good to know it in general, but um, to go deeper into the whole concept, like he, he wrote a really good book about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right, cool. I'm curious what you think about open relationships, like polyamorous stars of relating.
1: Uh-huh. Big <laughs> <Good> question. <laughs> okay, so- Like, my disclaimer is I have not been in an open relationship. Like, I've dated multiple people at once, but they didn't know about it. So, like, that's in the past. Um, So, if I'm – I think, honestly, your own alignment is going to guide you. So, if, for example, someone's feeling really pulled and honestly pulled to explore uh, open relationship – then follow that curiosity if it feels right. If open relationship doesn't feel good, then honor that as well. Um, but I I don't think that choosing open relationship because your current relationship isn't doing too good is necessarily um, a healthy way to deal with things. I think that that can be a method of avoidance. Um, let me. Think. I'm trying to figure out a way to explain my personal views on this without like telling anyone they're right or wrong because to be honest everyone do you type thing but for myself open relationship didn't feel good and the reason it didn't feel good is because I think that there is a really beautiful depth that can happen when two people are willing and committed to a conscious relationship and there's a really special magic that happens within monogamy and that magic it's kind of like imagine there's this beautiful bubble around you and every single bit of love that you, you ever, ever experience together like stays in that bubble. It never dissipates. It never goes away. It's like always there and it just keeps expanding and expanding the longer you're together and the tighter you keep that bubble. Um what I think a lot of people would do, and this is something that I did um when I was first dating Tully and I didn't realize it was a thing, was that I was like, Yes, I'm in a monogamous relationship physically, but energetically I didn't feel like I was. Like I would still quite happily like flirt with someone attractive, like low-key flirt, just due to like um like human interaction. Like I was a really friendly person. Um, And what I realized is every time my energy was open sexually, um, even though physically nothing was happening, it was like leaking out of me. And it would leak out of my sexual center. But that's not just your sexual center. That's your bank account. And that's your creativity. That's your life force energy. Like that's all of that. And it's so powerful and so magic. So what I realized very quickly was that the more I was open to that interaction with people, even if it was like, for example, over social media, if there was like an attractive photo of a guy and I liked it, like hoping that he would like it back. I don't know. Like whatever it is, even when I was single, um, that was like, there's still this low key exchange of energy and there's still this like slight leakiness. And that was probably the biggest thing that did end up turning me off the tantric community. Um, was that leakiness, like, it it was sacred sexuality was talked about a lot, but it wasn't actually all that sacred. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I realized is when I took that energy that was accidentally being leaked, it was kind of like there were just a couple of little holes in the bucket. Um, and instead of just kind of opening my sexual energy when I walked around, being like, "This is my life force," and I'm a sexually empowered woman, and like walking around with my hips and all of that, like when I moved that energy up into my heart and actually lived from my heart space instead of my animalistic like sexual center, what I realized is it pulled the energy up through me and through my relationship and through Tully. And it created this different type of sacredness within our relationship where the safety went from like, oh, we feel really safe to, holy shit, I've never felt safer with someone in my entire life, ever. Like this is almost indescribable. Um, And what I noticed is that my creative energy exploded. Um, That's, I think, why I, like, just pump out so much, like, stuff because I'm, like, always on tap with my creative energy. Um, My income, uh, what's the number? Like, times nine. I don't know what nine times, whatever. Um, In the (laughs) last year, just from, like, holding that energy now. Um, My relationship was more juicy and more deep and we actually instead of like when things went icky turning to someone else or you know going out and flirting with someone or you know how people just do that sort of stuff like because that wasn't an option anymore we actually worked through and navigated things within our relationship and created a lot more safety to do that rather than like becoming this egoic push-pull, well, you message that person for advice and that made me uncomfortable, so now I'm going to go do this. Like, it got rid of all the BS and it created a really tight, beautiful container that feels really sacred and it just, like, makes you choose. And I think in commitment, um, the the anxiousness or the discomfort comes from not having chosen so you can be in a monogamous relationship and not fully deep down chosen them yet and in that yeah. not having chosen them there's still a part of you looking elsewhere thinking mm. what if else really on the other side in that like moment of having haven't not like not having chosen properly so what I did is, like, right at the start of telling my relationship, I hadn't fully chosen him. And, like, he obviously, like, knows this. I, I was very open and honest about it. Um, and I was scared to fully choose him because I thought, well, what if he's not it? I just what if? And I think it kind of leads back to, like, the one and, and the idea of, like, well, what if they're not the one? And it can kind of cause, like, fear and anxiety. It's like, well, what if I commit to this person? It's like, you're never in a lock-in contract. Like, if if, like, she hit the fan, you can still choose something different but in order for you to fully experience a monogamous relationship it requires your full commitment and it's not a rule thing it's not like hey i commit and you can now put me in chains and like you know it, it goes unhealthy it's more so like i fully commit my heart to you and i fully commit to hold your heart And I'm going to treat it as if it's the most precious, beautiful, sacred thing in my entire life and vice versa. And and it becomes that sort of exchange. And I think that um, the one isn't necessarily this one person that you're going to try and find. There's so many potential people that you can be compatible with. There's so many people that you could be sexually attracted to. There's so many people that you could have a beautiful intellectual conversation with. There's so many people that you would have chemistry with. There's so many people that you could energetically soul recognize and match right? So it's not a matter of who they are because there are so many. And then even as you're leveling up in your life, more of them expose themselves. So like, there's always going to be someone else that could be a potential. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a matter of always looking for that someone else. Cause once you find them, there'll be someone else. And once you find them, there'll be someone else. And so I think that it's about choosing the one you've got and just committing to that and putting it all in and being like, I'm just going to work through it. anything that comes up. I'm going to like, when I want to run, I'm going to work through that instead of actually just running. Or when, when I want to, um, when I don't feel uncomfortable, I'm going to share that. And when I feel amazing and happy and aesthetic, I'm going to share that. And just like really committing to that process with each other is such a deep learning and such a deep like school of life that you get to choose. Um, And so coming back to open relationship, I think that open relationship um, can look a lot like, well, I love a lot of people and I have all this love to share. So I'm going to explore whoever I want and share that love and there isn't there really isn't a right or wrong because that is actually an alignment for some people it just wasn't for me so I also sometimes see open relationship as an avoidance of oh there's stuff going on here for us so instead of processing and working through that properly I'm gonna go and vent to my other lover type of thing or sometimes it can be um like there's there's so much energy invested in dealing with jealousy or communicating and like putting all this time and energy into just navigating an open relationship that all of a sudden you don't have the time and energy to navigate the rest of your life so I decided that open relationship wasn't for me Tully's very much on board with that and who knows like in 10 years time it could change like I I don't know but right now that that's probably the most aligned version for me is how I'm feeling is really committing to discovering and exploring the sacredness of a monogamous relationship.
0: Mm, Thanks so much for sharing all of that. I really resonate a lot in just like the experiences that I've had in both realms and the, what happens when that energy is leaky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad. It's so big. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's so Individual, but yeah, I think it's important for people to recognize where the desire for like that open relating comes from. Like, what's the root yeah. of it?
1: What are you really that's like awesome. looking for, actually? Or, and like, sometimes it can be this really deep down, just fear of committing fully. But like, sometimes it's also just um, need, that need to explore other people. And if that's like, I feel like where so many people like we can explore ourselves to the same extent. So like, I don't know I, f- I felt like. I've definitely had moments in my life where I felt like, oh, maybe we could be open or maybe we could go and explore. And and that was before I really realized what that was doing to our relationship. Um, And then I realized like how much, how many of my own archetypes that I could explore. And really other people who sparked my curiosity were simply reflections of these own parts of myself. And then when we fully committed into sacred union and like really explored that, it was, and it's so funny that you asked this because I've been asked about open relationships, probably like, all year and I've never actually just been able to sit down and like talk about it because I I felt like I really needed to embody myself first before I share which is just something that I think most people should do (laughs) in general it's just like embodiment is so key. there's enough people knowing what to talk about um and not enough people actually practicing it in their everyday life so yeah thank -hmm. you for asking Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I don't know it's just been something that's coming like come into my field quite a bit like in the last few years on and off in different like relationships and stuff and like constantly being presented with that. And yeah, I also had that same, like I've, I've like thought about it and really like felt into it and like really considered it. But yeah, I also really completely agree with what you said about the depth and the magic that can be created between just when two people show up to like really holding each other's hearts
1: in it. Yeah. And if if you look at the metric side of things as well, like the feminine energy, like her deepest desire is to be fully chosen. To not be like one of me, but to be fully, fully like chosen. Like you are it. There is no one else. Like I am here for you. And we forget that men have the feminine as well. And a lot of the feminine within men, like obviously gets suppressed. And that's like a whole nother conversation. But like, I think, most like like I haven't met someone who doesn't just fully want to be chosen for everything that they are
0: mm. and
1: you know I think we can play in like the the clouds a little bit in the sense of oh no I don't need to be chosen I fully choose myself they can go and choose whoever they want and like blah 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 but deep down when we're just real with it like we do just want to be fully loved by ourselves and by someone else and, so, and we want to be fully adored and like enjoyed and and yeah I also don't believe that one person has to provide you with everything, but I don't believe you have to enter other sexual relationships in order to get those things either. Like I think that that's why tribe and community is so important. So you have your lover, like your partner, but then you also, you know, if if you need that feminine energy, you go to your girlfriends. If you need, like, you know, some really logical advice, you go to a guy friend. Like that's why community is important. So that you can still get everything you need from a community. It's not still on like that one person either.
0: Yeah so important yeah oh yeah great I feel like yeah it's such an important message um mm. so I'd also really love to dive into talking about um your program Bloom and why you feel so inspired to work with young women it's definitely like a huge passion of mine too and yeah, I just completely resonate with what you're doing and creating in that way. Um, So I'd love for you to share about um, how that program came through and what it involves and kind of what, yeah, what happens and what experiences the the young women have had through it and just that whole vision, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. So how Bloom came through was... Almost a year, or oh, maybe even exactly a year ago. I'll have to check um, to see when I launched the first bloom. But about a year ago, um, I was in a beautiful ceremony with Tully, and I just got like really angry really quickly. Like to the extent of, you know, when you're like screaming into your bed and you're just like full of rage and kind of like dry reaching a little bit because it's like so consuming. And my anger was coming from my like my protection as a big like because I'm a big sister so I was feeling really protective over my younger sisters at this point um I had a sister who was turning um uh, she was about to turn 16 at the time and I had another younger sister who was like seven and I was like really mad that they hadn't been educated properly in the sense of what it is to be a woman in today's world and what you're allowed to say yes to and what you're allowed to say no to and what, how you're allowed to express yourself and, um, sexuality and boys and just own like self honoring and just all of that. And, um, I was just really upset and it was more so a process. Like I wasn't like genuinely like, Hey mom, I'm really upset that you didn't educate her on this, but it was more so just collectively like, why didn't we think it was okay to educate her on this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just felt this like fire, um, especially because she just started like um, being curious about guys. And like, I I think a guy kissed her and, and she didn't know how to say no. And then all of a sudden they were dating and like, she genuinely you know like it was just a bit murky and then um my younger sister acacia she's seven and like she very openly in public is masturbating like all the time but like at at no fault of hers but it's just like a lot of shame a lot of you don't do that you don't do that like that's naughty don't do that in public and like i get like in public like okay to an extent there but it was more so just like we'll give her an alternative type of thing like because there's nothing actually wrong with what she's doing. It's just like showing her how to do it in a healthy way. So for me, I just like had all this rage and stuff. And I'm like, that's it. Like I have to teach young girls. And also I think because of my own uh, like teenage years where the amount of times I gave myself away without checking in with myself. I didn't even know how to check in with myself because I was never taught that either. I didn't know that like your sexual energy is so sacred. And every single person you share that with is like, actually a part of you that you're giving away and a part of them that you're adopting and like I didn't know that anything about my cycle or my periods or my hormones I was just told you know go on the pill and I didn't know that I was able to actually create and choose my reality I didn't know that I didn't have to go to uni and get a job Um, like so there was all these like life things that obviously like I ended up learning eventually but only because I had been brought up in a way that I was curious about self-education but I knew that most of my friends weren't curious about self-education because it was never something that was like really important when they were growing up. um, I saw a lot of my friends struggling, a lot of my friends struggling with the same issues over and over again, whether it be hormones and their cycle and their periods to boys and sexuality or just like, what do I do with my life? What, how do I get paid for my passions? Like all of that. So, and then big thing is like, you can go off and learn, everything that you want to learn and you can go and self-explore. But if your community doesn't support your transitions, which essentially like become a rite of passage, like if you go to a big course or something or a workshop and you feel like something within you is actually shifted and changed, that's a, a form of a rite of passage. And if you go back to community and you don't celebrate that, then it's very hard to keep that sense of being. And what then happens is that, you start acting out of a place of misalignment in order to be relatable. And then the gap of who you truly are and who you're trying to be gets bigger and bigger, which then causes more anxiety and um, depressive emotions and confusion and things like that. So I was like, whoa, we need number one, education. We need two, community. And we need girls who are willing to learn. And I knew that we already had heaps of girls who are willing to learn because um, I just like looked on my Instagram and I saw enough, young girls who are like hey I like this post and I'm like okay they're there they want to learn so um bloom the word bloom just they like, came to me very quickly I was just laying on my bed I was doodling and I wrote the word bloom I was like, oh that's it cool then I remember like within half an hour I mapped out the entire eight week online course and then the first one I did I set out for free because I was just like I just want to give it a shot like I just want to see if this content actually lands for young girls or if it's like too much or not enough or like I I want to see if it works I think was my thing because I knew it worked for me but I'm not an accurate representation of every single human being on this planet so then I set it out as a free course and we had like over a hundred girls between the ages of 14 and 22 um, apply and be a part of it and the first bloom was like absolutely amazing like it was just so powerful and those first bloomers were really like Committed and just there and present and learning, and they just soaked up the information like because they're so young, they just like soak it up, like, Yes, please give me more. And then I'm like, Okay, I'll give you more. Like, it was just this really cool exchange. Um, and then the community, like how those young girls then supported each other in their own conscious evolution, like blew my mind. And it was such a beautiful reflection for me, as like, as like what I wish I had when I was their age, but also just a beautiful reflection of like how strong the sisterhood is and you don't have to be a 25-year-old woman to experience that. Like these are 15-year-olds who get it. And that blew my mind because I think you have to be older to truly like get it. Um so after the first one finished, um I then made it like a paid course because one thing I did notice was when people weren't paying for it they, they don't fully commit themselves to doing the homework and that sort of thing so it was just like a real low price point but just to have some sort of exchange there so that they committed and then the second time bloom ran it was like an even more potent energy and people were just really like dived in and so we ran then the third bloom just finished so i run one every maybe like four months type of thing um because it goes for two months um and then like the next one won't be till like early next year i don't think Um, But now it's cool because we've got like a really beautiful community of young girls who are committed to personal expansion, but they're also committed to each other and the sisterhood and they, you know, write each other love letters and send it in the mail and they organize their own meetups and they'll just go and hire Airbnbs and go away for the night. And um, they just are so like solid and incredible. And they all have so many beautiful ideas and so many zones of genius that they can like show and shine and, now it's just kind of in the works of developing more of a, like a leadership and potentially even getting like a bloom podcast out so that the girls can then teach the girls if if that kind of makes sense um and then eventually i think it will end up being sister circles and retreats and just like a real solid community of like young girls because it, it, like the thing is like with the new generations coming up like they already know this stuff so much younger sure. than we did yeah and like just like i felt like i kind of knew this stuff before my mom did it's exactly the same and like my sister is so switched on and now i kind of i was kind of a little bit selfish in it i was like hey i want to make a community so that my sister has support so that was kind of part of my intention with bloom initially as well was to just like help my sister um because she was so smart and so there but none of her friends understood the same things so now she has this beautiful tribe of girls who get it, and it's like she's discovered some of her most best friends through this now, so I feel like my job's kind of done, but like I won't stop like <laughs> my attention initially has been nailed.
0: <laughs> hmm So incredible. I love it so much. Oh yeah, it's so cool to hear that that's just like... Yeah, I I was just so amazed when I heard that you were doing that because it's been such a, like, strong vision for me too, like, of of just that modern-day rite of passage um, Mm -hmm. for young women. And it's just so amazing that it's already, like, in motion with you and I just, like, want to send as many people to you and your programs as possible. Like, I so resonate with, like, just, yeah, well, you know, just, like, generally you and your energy and what you're creating. I just feel like you have such a – like, you just – bring things from the vision to like action. So like gracefully, it just like, yeah, all of a sudden it's just like happening and it's receiving like the magnetism that, you know, that it needs to, and the right people are finding it like with ease and yeah, it's just so cool. And I totally see you doing more. Um, like yeah retreats and gatherings and things like that in person that would be so epic and I'd love to collaborate in any way
1: yeah, I was going to say I'm like there's room for collaboration Chloe like I really yeah. like you know.
0: <laughs> yeah let's do it didn't I think I saw like you did something recently or was that just with the bloom girls like they organized it themselves
1: yeah what they organized like I haven't actually organized a meetup with them yet because they just keep doing it themselves I'm so impressed they're so like intuitive and they've got so much initiative they're just like yeah let's just have a meet up like and I was in Bali and they just decided to they literally found an Airbnb on the street I live on and they had a big meet up and they do like a mini retreat like you know they're all doing yoga and they take themselves through meditations and they all drink like cacao and they'll go adventure like bushwalking and talk about boys I'm guessing like I don't know I'm not there because you know. so, um, but yeah and then the last one they did was really nice and they all came over afterwards and um yeah just hung out because my sister was staying because my sister lives on the cocos island so she actually like needed that online community significantly so now she's been able to meet a lot of them in the 3d which has been awesome as well
0: so cool hmm. amazing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah how can people oh maybe we'll do that at the end I guess how people can connect to like all the different things I feel like there's like a few different things that we need to like connect people into depending on like, like who they are around. and what they're like looking for. Cause there's so many different channels that you kind of, yeah. Like let's also talk about the creatress. Yeah. <laughs> That's like your new baby, right?
1: She she is. And it was so funny cause like I was actually in ceremony just like with cacao and dropping into, I think just like, into my heart and open my heart and just like um I was really sitting in the energy of like abundance and money and like I really like wanted people to thrive because I think what this like is a legit thing that keeps me up at night I actually cry about it semi-regularly um occasionally I have really big cries about it at like 2 a.m in the morning and Tully's like babe are you okay can we sleep type of thing but like when The people around me are really struggling to thrive um it like hurts my soul like it's so deep inside of me it just genuinely just hurts to see people struggling um specifically financially and in their relationships is usually like my go-to's so if they're struggling in those areas Um, And this is more so like my immediate community, I would say, like, obviously people I don't know, but like the people I do know specifically, because when I feel like I have some of the answers at least, or like something's working for me and I'm, I feel like I'm thriving in a financial sense and in my relationship, I'm like, whoa! like I just really want to help Um, and not in the sense of being like the saviour but more so just like usually people's lack of thriving is simply a lack of education. That's it. It, It's not a matter of whether they can do it or not. It's just like, have they been given the tools yet? And what they do with those tools is then up to them. But um, yeah, so it was paining me to see some of my friends struggling and just little things like, Hey, let's go and book an Airbnb and all have a night together. And when they can't afford it, it's like, Oh wow. Like, we're missing out on really amazing, beautiful experiences together. Um, now I want to help. So I was opening myself to abundance and money and things like that through my ceremony, and what came straight through. Was the creatress, and I was sitting there with Tali. Like, babe, I need you to grab like a pen, like now. It's just it's coming through. Like, I need a pen now. And I just scrolled out of this paper, like the creatress and what her vision was. And I didn't realize that she was kind of like an energy or an entity straight up. I was kind of like, oh, this is a project. That's fun. But then as I was writing, I realized very quickly that this was actually like a thing. And I'm like, man, like I've now got a lot. Like when people ask me what I do, I have no idea what to say a mm-hmm. like, oh, couple of stuff and stuff for young girls and stuff about manifestation and conscious creation and money and well-being and yeah it's just it's a bit confusing for myself even um so I wrote out Creatress and essentially that's just like a five-week course for women online about the mastery of manifestation and conscious creation, but not like in both the physical side of things, the practical side of things, and then also the metaphysical as well. So creatress is like I personally think that every single woman is a creatress. Um her birthright is to create. It's like we have a womb. It's what we do as women is we create, we channel through creative energy and whether we're creating children or a family or whether we're creating a home or whether we're creating a business or a community or an idea or an experience like we're always just creating Um, and sometimes we're creating things that don't feel good and sometimes we're creating things that feel really good and what the creatress is is essentially just like a, a course to show women how they can choose their creative process and how they can then create things that feel good and feel aligned and tune into their own alignment so that they then can create from that space how to trust how to surrender how to um decide even what they want how to really navigate self-sabotage because if you're creating the life of your dreams you're probably going to come up against self-sabotage a lot. Mm-hmm. So to actually like know how to navigate that um which is i think been one of the biggest things for, for me navigating my life was like understanding self-sabotage. And then the last week of Creatress is a beautiful online kick ceremony where we really shift identity because a lot of creating like a life that you want, which is obviously going to be different for every single person, is what identity do you have now versus what would you need to be embodying in order to have what you want and then to like like understand that new identity and then close the gap between where you are now and where you want to be so that you can actually then be living in that and then when you're living in that you actually become the magnet for that as well so um the ceremony is more so to do with like kind of quantum jumping a little bit i don't know, if know about that, but like quantum jumping into like a new state and way of being a new energetic um place a, a new anchor um, which then, and and I did the exact ceremony like probably five months ago and it actually changed my life. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that I was that magic or anyone could be that magic. That's really cool. So yeah, just kind of bringing back the magic to women and showing them that they actually have everything they need to create what they want. And they just probably are looking for a little bit more awareness around what those things actually are so that they can use them instead of like having it all and then having no idea what to do so
0: yeah wow epic (laughs) so has it launched already
1: now yeah so it's launched it actually begins in like two and on october 22nd um but that's like the live course it'll be like held over zoom and that sort of thing but i'm pretty sure i will actually just be recording the whole thing and just turning it into a course that people can just get for themselves and work through in their own time. Um, Cause I've had, yeah, a, a fair bit of interest in it. So, but I just don't know. I have never felt, even from the start, it was never a thing that I was going to do more than once. So I might just have it as a thing that people can uh, have if they feel like cold and aligned to it rather than me showing up and doing like a five week course every 10 weeks or something.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So obviously a lot of your work is online and you're creating all of these epic programs and like really working with the online realms to um, get this information out there and create these communities and everything. And I w- I would love to hear how you stay in balance with um, with the online and, you know, the physical, I guess, and how you navigate that and what that looks like for you also on a daily basis because obviously you know you would be spending a lot of time like managing all of these programs and these you know networks and everything like it's a lot to kind of upkeep right like so it is a lot of computer time i'd love to like hear how you what your daily life looks like really and how you like cultivate um balance within the two
1: worlds yeah of course that's actually such a powerful question and it's something i get asked a lot because it like if I'm honest, it was really hard to navigate initially. It it was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being consumed right now. Um, so first things first regarding my schedule is that I schedule my life around my period um, because why not? Um, we're t- we're taught to like go go go, hustle hustle hustle, and in like at the moment, still quite a masculine world we can get caught into being quite masculine ourselves as, as I'm, I'm going to address women regarding this. Like I'm sure men can take what they need from this, but I think women in general, if you can understand your cycle and know that you're hormonally 25% different every single week of the month, like you have to honor that because one week, you're going to be like, I'm so inspired. I'm going to take on the world. I, I can do it all. And then the following week, you kind of fall into a heap. You're like, oh, my God, I overcommitted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what I do is I get my schedule. I map out my period. I'm like, okay, cool. So this is my week of ovulation. This is my week of my period. This is my uh, week before my period. And this is my week after. So with that, then I know that um, if you go summer, autumn, winter, spring, uh winter is the week of your period autumn is the week before your period summer is the week of ovulation and spring is leading up to ovulation so my spring and summer week is when I like put in my well usually except for this call oops my bad but maybe, <laughs> okay. sorry that's all, good. that's all good um yeah my more like social things like if I have a retreat that I'm running I'll put it in these two weeks I'll uh, put any like really important weeks of a course or something in this week. Oh, any meetings or anything like that, anything that requires my energy. And usually these two weeks I'll put more in my schedule. Um, and then in my autumn week, I'll put like usually next to nothing. Like if you've seen me this week, I have literally just like meditated and painted and like sat in cafes and kind of journaled and like did more of the creative side of things rather than the production side of things um because I have to be so much more gentle myself because I'm so much more sensitive and I'm sure that you guys can relate so there's that in autumn and then in winter I won't put anything in on the first day of my period at all like that is like a no-go um and then the first two days I'll be really gentle like I will try not to do anything um and then I'll so I kind of run with that rhythm because it means that I can honor myself, honor my body, honor my energy levels with whatever's going on. And cause then I find like I burn out less, um, which I've navigated some sort of balance where I burn out, not that much at all, but I used to burn out a lot because I used to just hustle through every week thinking that that's what I had to do in order to be successful. So first thing I did was shift my belief around, I have to work hard in order to be successful to, um, money wants to flow through me easily as long as I'm in alignment Mm -hmm. and people want to come to me as long as I'm in alignment and I feel excited as long as I'm in alignment. Um, because then I knew like if I'm not honoring my body at a specific time of my cycle, then I'm not in alignment. It probably wouldn't work out anyway. Like, so I guess like what I really wanted to bring in was like this, I don't have to work hard all the time in order to be successful with anything. I just have to honor my own alignment, whatever that is. And then I will be successful. And I like, I kid you not, I have, and this is like, if I'm just looking at it from a conscious money, like financial point of view is I've made more money during a two hour meditation than I have actually using, doing a two hour work period. Um, shifting that belief so deeply now that like, if I am doing something that puts me into this vibration of play or flow, that's when the money that's when the people that's when the experiences opportunities that's where the enjoyment where all of that comes like no joke I'll literally put a canvas down and paint for an hour and that's when I'll sell a ticket when it won't be when I'm sitting there on my computer like buzzing out so knowing that and shifting that story so deeply within me because I definitely used to think like I have to work hard for money because that's what my dad told me was you work hard for money you work hard for money And then in high school, I didn't work very hard because I was like, no, I'm I'm really creative. I don't really want to do high school. So I didn't like put myself out there in high school. So then I immediately thought after high school, okay, now I can't make any money because I didn't work hard enough. And so then I was broke for like two years, like butt broke, like earning like 50 bucks a week because my story was so convinced in I had to work hard for money and I didn't work hard. So now I can't have money. Whereas I've shifted that now to like my daily schedule probably looks like in the morning I will wake up, I'll do just like self-care stuff like shower and teeth and breakfast and that sort of thing. I'll make sure that I'm having a really nourishing breakfast because if you're not nourishing your body nutritionally, like your hormones are going to be whacked out. If your hormones are whacked out, you're going to be up and down all the time. It's very hard to create any sort of beautiful feminine consistency there. Um mm-hmm you know? So I do that. And then usually I'll actually have a ceremony every single morning. Like I put my mornings out as my creative time. So I'll either paint or I'll journal or I'll have a cacao ceremony or I'll dance or I'll do like more marketing branding sort of stuff or I'll do a social media post or anything like that that feels good in that day. Um, Usually during my summer and spring weeks, that'll be more like um, my branding stuff and my social media posts and then during my winter or autumn weeks it's more likely to be painting or just like meditating and things like that so my mornings are usually dedicated to me um i usually won't get back to many messages in the morning or i try not to um just because like I, it takes it takes me out of presence and i think just working online so much you have to have like designated time and also knowing that working more on your laptop doesn't equal more productivity a lot of the time it can equal more scrolling and more like pointless stuff and more mm-hmm. oh, look, YouTube, ah, you know? So yeah. um, what I realized is actually less is more for me on uh, on social media and on the computer. If I have like, okay, I've got a two-hour block, then I power through and I get it all done. Whereas if I'm like, oh, I've got the whole afternoon, then I'm just like scrolling and doing nothing. Like there's actually still like, Kelly is going to laugh so hard if he hears this because he tells me this all the time and I ignored him for so long. But like there is freedom in the structure. I'm a feminine person. Like, I don't want to be so structured. I actually really like honoring my intuition and be like, hey, I feel like doing this. And now I feel like doing this. And usually I work best off not having a schedule. So that's why I do the really big blocks. Like, okay, the whole morning's for my creativity and the afternoon is for work. But um, during that work afternoon, I'll do two hours where... Um, I'm doing a specific thing and then I'll do half an hour I'm getting back to emails and then like I'm done and I might actually go and if I hadn't already ceremonied that day I'll go and make a cow and have a ceremony for work stuff sitting down with a cow and tuning into my entities like my ideas and for example the Creatress or Bloom or Living in Love like tuning into those through meditation and ceremony counts as work for me like it really like so deeply does so I make those things a priority too,
0: 100%.
1: More so than doing a post on social media. Um, I honestly feel like if you can get your energetics right behind the scenes, everything else will work out. Like if I'm feeling icky and I post on social media, nothing comes from it if I feel really good and like see in my intention and my meditation and everything beforehand, then like that post will reach exactly who I need it and want it to reach. Um, and so with social media, again, social media is an energetic game as well. Every single time you are exchanging in social media, if there's an energy exchange. So I, w- I would say like, what is your stories around social media? Like, I know some people like social media is not real and it consumes your life and it's bad. And other people are like, social media is the best thing in the whole world. So like social media is social media, just like money, just like you, like it's not good or bad, right or wrong. It just is, and then we choose. So I've actually chosen that social media is really nourishing for me. Um, I only post things if they feel aligned. I only share what feels aligned. And I, I don't worry about like prime time or like any of that stuff or the algorithm. Like people are freaking out about the algorithm. I'm like, who cares about the algorithm? Like, go sort out your energetics. That's the actual algorithm. Like, right. You know? Yeah. Totally. So I think that um, it's definitely like if I'm showing up on social media in my alignment, then it will all 100% flow. But that's my story. I don't just like hope that that happens. It's like it, that is how it happens for me. um and there's been times where I've hated social media I'm like oh my god it's consuming my life and then social media wouldn't nourish me back and then I'd wonder why because I was like bitching about it behind its back basically so um I decided to be social media's friend I decided to honor and respect the entity of Instagram for example Mm -hmm. and by doing that Instagram nourishes me in return um And I really enjoy my experience on there Now I really enjoy my voice and I really enjoy connecting with people and hearing their voices as well. Um, So it's definitely been like, you know, I got Instagram and I was like 15. So it's been a big journey to get to this point. But now it's just a matter of scheduling my time on social media, making sure it's worth it, making sure I'm aligned. I'll usually, like, if I'm at a cafe or something, I'll write my posts like, in my journal and then convert it to Instagram later when it feels right to post. Because sometimes when I write the post and then post the post, they they feel different, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess, like, regarding a business, regarding working from home and, like, having a lot of time to work at home, I think if I have too much time, I do nothing. So, still creating that structure and creating that balance and like yeah I've just found found a way that it works for me and also a way that works for our relationship because Tully also works from home at home yeah and we get that a lot from couples it's like how do you guys both work and live and eat and shower and sleep all in the same like place like you never have time apart like oh we do have time apart you know Tal goes to the gym and I'll go to a cafe to work and things like that but you really just gotta like put in your non-negotiable stuff first. So my non-negotiable stuff isn't work. My non-negotiable is sex, um, love, uh, nourishing food, and probably ceremony and meditation and getting out in nature. Then my non-negotiables. And then work fits in around that. And I think that's probably why it's worked because before it wasn't that way and work was the non-negotiable because I thought that I had to work in order to make money, right? So then that just threw my life out of balance.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and like i know you're just as in love with cacao as me like what does cacao really facilitate for you in your um meditation ceremony practice like as as a medicine yeah cacao is just
1: the most amazing thing ever um let me think okay so uh cacao is well firstly i've always loved chocolate so if i can like open my heart with chocolate then firstly why not um but what I love about cacao is that it's a medicine it's a plant medicine but she's gentle and she's all about like harmony and connection and love and play and um what I find is when I drink cacao I my vibration aligns with that of cacao because she's such a strong anchor. So I use her as a ceremony every single day where I drink this. And also if anyone's listening and they don't know what cacao is, essentially there's cacao that you can buy from a health food store, but then there's ceremonial grade cacao. That's like a really high grade cacao, um, usually from Peru and the cacao bean hasn't been separated. So normally they take the cacao butter out and they separate the bean in order to make things like chocolate or the cacao powder. Um, But for ceremonial grey cacao, it's still together, which actually reacts differently in your body. Um, And the spirit of cacao, the energetics of cacao is incredible and by drinking cacao in a ceremonial way with an intention you actually invite that spirit and that energy into your body so that you can move through or process or enjoy or expand into whatever you're trying to do so for example i'll use cacao right before i meditate um it helps clear blocked emotions it's a heart opener it will help me connect or be creative activates your creative energy your sexual energy um, I'll use cacao before Tully and I make love sometimes. I will use cacao before I'm being creative or writing or that sort of thing. I use cacao, you know, I might have a small dose and go for a nature walk with my keep cup, for example. And it just like, it really gets you centered into gratitude and appreciation and expansion and trust and surrender like nothing else I've okay. had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a really gentle, you know, because there are a lot of plant medicines that, um, a, a very powerful and potent and um, re- require a lot more of your energy to experience them where as I feel like cacao's um, depending on the ceremony and your intention with it like it it's quite easy to have in your everyday life you know I, pr- I probably wouldn't suggest having ayahuasca every single day but um, cacao. <laughs> um so yeah with cacao it's just like I use it I think cacao has actually been the one thing that's really upgraded my life on a consistent level because every single time I use it I anchor back into that self-love anchor back into that trust that abundance that like oh yeah I am actually looked after and mother nature does want to nourish me and I want to nourish her And like things are circulating and I'm okay and I'm looked after you know like so it kind of takes me back there every single day and by coming back there every single day then I can choose and create from that space every single day like I had cacao right before we jumped on this call because I'm like, why not? It, it would make more awesome. sense to mm-hmm. do a podcast from my heart than from my head. So I'm going I'm to have some cacao. Um, so yeah, I think that that's how I use it and why I like it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Cacao's just been like such a beautiful companion for me too and something I have on the daily also um yeah yeah, I love how you described it though so for people who want to get um the cacao that you work with because I actually don't have well I, I did have some really good ceremonial grade from Bali but I just ran out so I've actually just been using powder mostly in my tonics so um I need to like up my quality game too. So you use, do you use the um, cacao drinking chocolate? What's the name of the brand again?
1: The, the brand's called Fly Cacao and my um, friends, and Michael, um, have like set that up. It's a non-for-profit and the reason why I choose them um, is because it's so like pure and innocent and like they actually go like they they're in peru right now going and visiting all the farms and like hand-picking the cacao beans themselves and these farmers are like we've never had a buyer come and visit us before like most people don't go and visit the farms and actually check it out and so like it's a really like heart-centered on the ground in-person thing that they're doing and it's a non-for-profit and what they're doing is they're actually using it to preserve um really native rare strains of cacao as well. So they're not like setting up like brand new farms with like not that great quality cacao and stuff. Like they're really like doing it properly. Um, Mackenzie and Michael also like so there's cacao that they work with and then cacao fly cacao is their brand and fly cacao is their energy and their entity that they're channeling through. So not only are you buying this amazing high quality incredible ceremonial grade cacao that's actually supporting the farmers and uh the native strains and that sort of thing but also Mackenzie and Michael are hand grinding the cacao and then they're putting their intentions and infusing it with whatever energy of the moon that month and then so that's coming with your cacao so every time I order cacao it's a different batch it's not the exact same cacao every time which means it's it's energetically interacting with me differently every single time I drink it. And so, you know, a few months ago, I was having this cacao where every time I drink it, I would just burst into tears and I'd be like clearing out all of this like emotional stuff. And then like the two batches later, I was drinking cacao and all I wanted to do was go outside and play and climb trees and do that sort of thing. So um, I love fly cacao because of their vision and the quality and the the heart that's put into it. it, It's not just like a product on the shelf. It's really like true. Um, And then I love Mackenzie and Michael and their energy. They're ridiculously shamanic humans. And um, yeah, like I, I trust their energy and I would more than have that within my own life every day, hands down. So I'm, I'm pretty sure like it's, uh, it's like a is where you can find and read up and they also have little videos on like how you can do your own ceremonies and that sort of thing so it's awesome and then it's on instagram it's cacao drinking chocolate but it's spelled like k-a-k-a-o all
0: right yeah cool amazing yeah i'll have to try some well i tried some at a peter's event where i heard them speak too but that's yeah. when I've ever met them. So, yeah, it's yeah. cool they're going to be around more. I'd love to hang out with them more.
1: Definitely. And I think they're going to be doing some cacao ceremonies down south as well. And then it's so different also, like, when you're doing a cacao ceremony, like, in a group environment or with a sound healing or, like, on your own. It's, like, it's really cool to ex- experience, like, all of those different... So that's why I find, like, buying my own cacao and being able to navigate women's ceremonies is really powerful as well as like i've gone to like tim morrison's kakao ceremonies where he's like held it and done like the didge and the drums and the guitar and like done a full sound shamanic healing along with the cacao. and they're both very different but both equally as magical experiences
0: Hmm. yeah i've held a few in the past too like women's ceremonies and yeah it's so special I mean, it's yeah. like the yeah. cacao, she's just like the companion spirit for like the space of um, ritual yeah. and ceremony. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I just really, really love that medicine. So amazing. Mm-hmm. She's speaking through us. joy. <laughs> <Literally. laughs> <laughs> always. Like I'm always, I always have cacao before my podcast
1: too. I'm just like right in the zone. I thought you might. That's why I drank mine. I'm like, I bet Chloe's already drank her cacao. I'm going to go <laughs> have some. <laughs>
0: Of course, I drink it every day, but yeah, I definitely need to try Mackenzie's brand. Um, yeah, because that sounds really epic.
1: Yeah, and the sh- like, if you're in Australia, the shipping can be a bit exy because they're in America. But like, it's hundred percent worth the investment. Like no, like no joke. Like pay it because like I've tried so many different brands of ceremonial grade cacao from so many different um people around nwa and i've ordered it from everywhere and like nothing has actually uh given me the same experience as Mackenzie and michael's so like i know like some people look at it like oh but the shipping i'm like not do it like honestly mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter like trust that by having this kick out you'll be able to channel through the money to like pay for the shipping <laughs> right yeah well that's been your experience right
0: like so many <laughs> Like you, said, you know that space of ceremony just like creates sales <laughs> and I, yeah. I definitely feel that too like the alignment creates like yeah the prosperity in your life and rather than that that forcing energy and yeah I've had this similar sort of like um, reflection and conversation with other people I've interviewed on the podcast about like yeah when they're in deep meditation that's when they get sales in their business so it feels like we're all kind of like tapping into that, it's more, more of a feminine, I guess, quality to business, um, of just like that trust and that, um, yeah, not, not the forcing kind of energy, you know, that that's definitely needed and necessary in many moments, but yeah, that, that it's like, it's all an energy game really. Um, yeah. 100%
1: 100% and it's so um, exciting knowing that it can actually be easy and simple and fun and enjoyable the whole time like it can be and if it's not then it's it's like there's probably just a little bit of work to do on the stories and beliefs that we're holding because it's always a reflection like the evidence comes second we think the evidence comes first we think okay well it is hard because it's always been hard where really it's it's always been hard because you think it is hard and then mm the evidence comes second. So like always go to your story and your state first and foremost, with anything, with business, with a relationship, with sex, with money, with um, love, with play, with community, like with all of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. You s- check your story and then check your
1: state. Yeah. Such a good one. <laughs> and that's why Cacao I, I think so powerful because it takes you into an altered state that actually opens you. You know, because you can have all the abundance ever sitting right above you, and if you're not open to it, you won't receive it. And that's like very simple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so potent. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad we did this. So, how people? How can people? Um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a process sharing about all the different channels that people can connect you on, but maybe, yeah, just go through the different entities again and um, how people can connect in with them. And
1: yeah. Um, I would say like, to be honest, guys, Instagram is my platform. Um, Best to find me there, not Facebook at the moment. Um, My Instagram is Caitlin.howitt. And then that's where I just share my personal journey, share things like Creatress, a little bit of bloom and living in love here and there um, and then also just like other people's events. I share a lot of like things that I'm going to and attending um, because I just really like froth over community. So if you want any of that, my Instagram's where to find that um, to find specifically the couple stuff as in couples retreats, online couples workshops, um, anything to do with couples conscious relationship Um, we work as I was saying before mostly with monogamy but um, it just depends on on you I guess and whether you resonate with what we teach Um, but that's living in full stop love on Instagram and so yeah that's all the couple stuff and then for bloom it's just the bloom playground on Instagram and that's where all the like teenage or young women stuff is and when the next courses and stuff is coming up we're in the process of websites and things but be honest like i don't have the most urgency around websites probably could but don't so um yeah i can't give you a website or anything just yet creatures doesn't have an instagram um i don't know why maybe she will one day right now i'm not feeling like she will i think that the best place to find creatures is just through my instagram if you go into my instagram there's actually a link that um click it, it just sends you like a full write-up around Creatress and then shows you how to be a part of it if that's something that you want to do. Um, and then in the future, Creatress will just be still a link in my Instagram bio regarding like actually being able to just buy the course if people don't get into this round. Um, so, yeah, that'll just be through my personal one. Okay, cool.
0: Mm, amazing.
1: Well, I'm, yeah,
0: so glad that um, we did this. It's been like really, really potent as I knew it would be, you know, I think you're just such an incredible communicator and I really appreciate like the language that you bring through too and like the way that you express yourself. Um, Yeah. And I'm just glad to know you and excited to (laughs) spend more time with you too.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. And I hope you get down south soon because exactly vice versa. I really love and adore your energy and I feel very honored that you've asked me to be a part of your vision today as well. So thank you for that. Mm. Mmm.